afternoon. Welcome to this episode of Event Worldcast. I'm delighted this week to be joined by um, Event World's chairman, Mark Mayer. So it'll just be a chat between me and you today, Mark. Is that nice? See you in Event World. It's quite nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we we're gonna we we're gonna have a chabit um, uh, chabit chabit. We we're gonna have a chat. We we're just talking about this, weren't we? Kind of stuff. Kind of week seven into isolation. Kind of getting to the stage where cognitive uh, cognitive sorry performance i can't even say cognitive cognitive <laughs> performance isn't as as well as it used to be so struggling yeah. if honest we're getting a little bit tired aren't we um but we wanted we were going to have a chat today about habits weren't we yeah um well i feel i mean i think this is a topic for conversation at the best of times to be honest is essentially we're the product of our habits aren't we our habits are the you know the things that we routinely do when we're on autopilot um they're almost subconscious yeah uh, and they're the things that there's a really interesting saying from uh, i think it was james clear that says it, it says you don't we don't rise to the level of our our success we fall to the level of our training so essentially during times of hardship or you know you know if we're going through a tough time like a lot of us are at the moment you revert to the things that are almost subconscious and natural to you and you know the things that come easiest and those are our habits and the, the i guess the the key bit is it is that we can form good ones and bad ones and uh, <laughs> and whichever you know whether it's we're talking about diet sleep uh, exercise just daily routine habits work related habits productivity all of that stuff mm no matter what we're talking about you can have good and bad habits in all those different categories and whatever habits we've formed over the last you know six months 12 months five years 10 years the whole the whole lives those are the things that we're going to be reverting to now because you know we're on autopilot where a lot of us are in you know survival mode and just trying to do the things that come most naturally so yeah. it's really important i think that we try and uh, recognize what habits we've developed and what habits we're sort of falling into the routine of um, and try and carefully consider which ones we want to keep doing and which ones we need to change. Yeah. Um, and I think we've got a real opportunity to do that. You know, a lot of us have got nothing but time on our hands now. Mm. Um, I mean, some people are more busy than they were before, but <laughs> others have got a bit of time. Perhaps you're on furlough and you, you know, you're okay financially for the time being and you've you've just got some time to reflect and think about the behaviors that you're indulging in on a day-to-day -day basis and you know it's a, it's a really good opportunity to sort of to change a few things and come out of the back end of this you know maybe i'm gonna say a new person but you know with some some habits that are going to set you up for success going forward so yeah absolutely absolutely it's a good opportunity isn't it for people to spend that time because hopefully it's about what would you say? Probably about six weeks minimum for of practicing <coughs> something. Because you have to practice something, don't you? For it to well, be a habit. You need to give yourself time for that to happen. Definitely takes time. And it, it's not necessarily about it. I mean, it's not really so much about the time. This, this, the science behind it isn't necessarily conclusive. Some studies say six weeks, others say four months. I think it's different for different if people, we're being honest, really. it depends yeah. on the person and it yeah. depends on the habit. 
but the important thing isn't really the time it's the number of repetitions so how many times are you doing the behavior that you want to become a habit um it's not you know if you're not in you're not performing the new behavior it doesn't matter how much time's passed you're not gonna that's not gonna become ingrained as a new habit Mm. um so you know we we have this tendency to talk about how long it takes to form a habit It's, it's more about how frequently you're doing the thing um because if it gives so, you yeah. six weeks to to practice something if you only do it twice in those six weeks then you're not gonna i think the important thing is to is, is to recognize that it's going to take some discipline like, so there's there's four stages of habit forming right um essentially the first one is unconscious non-compliance so this is you know we don't know that we're not doing it we're not doing something whatever it is that we think we that we need to do we're not doing it and we don't realize we should be doing it it's basically we're ignorant to the fact that we should be doing something new and the next stage is like the realization which is conscious non-compliance so you're like okay i've realized that i need to drink more water but i'm not doing it yet but you've acknowledged it so that's the first that's the first real stage of having performance like I'm, I'm now aware that I need to change my behavior in some way. And then the next stage is conscious compliance. So we're doing it. We're doing the thing. We're drinking more water, but it's taking, requiring discipline. It's taking some effort on our part in order to actually do it. And, it, and it's not easy. And we actually need to apply ourselves to do it. And this is the stage where most of us fail. You know, we get to a point where, it's, you know, we, you just stop doing it. It becomes too hard. Routine gets in the way. Work work gets busy and you just stop doing that thing that you committed to um and i think we do that a lot of the time before we realize that there's a fourth stage which is essentially it's it's, it's unconscious compliance so that's the point where you don't even have to think anymore because it's part of your ingrained subconscious mm. and it, you just do it like it's just built in like this is how we are with brushing our teeth now i mean i always say this to people like imagine if you've never brushed your teeth the whole time you've been alive, it just wasn't part of, it wasn't something you were told to do as a kid. So you just didn't do it. And then tomorrow someone said, right, you need to brush your teeth five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. That would feel like such an effort. Like we would be like, what do you want? I don't have time to do that. But because we've done it for so long and it's part of our daily routine, we don't even think about it. You just go to bed, you pick up your toothbrush, brush your teeth. You know, and, it, and you, a lot of the time you're pottering around making your bed or, you know, turning the lights off or doing stuff while you're brushing your teeth because it's such an inbuilt subconscious behavior that you don't even have to there's no discipline required anymore um and i think like going full circle i mean the, the point is to remember that there is a, a long period whatever that is if it's six weeks four months you know 30 days whatever there is a long period of effort that's required before any habit becomes easy yeah um, and that's the whole point the first bit is decide what you want to do, become aware of the new habit that you want to implement, whatever that might be. And that's not, you know, we can, we can talk about some ideas, I guess, some health behaviors that, yeah, yeah. Um, that might be good for people, but those behaviors are going to be different for everyone. Not everyone wants to, you know, eat 20, 200 grams of protein a day because they're not muscle building. Not, not everyone wants to, you know, eat less calories because they're um, trying to lose some body fat. So, all your your new behaviors and your habits are going to be individual to you but the first bit is recognize what it is and the fact that you want to make a change and then 
exert some discipline over a period of time before it becomes easy yeah and there's this um there's almost like a discipline in terms of how you establish identify those habits you want to change as well isn't it kind of stuff i've done i think just yeah. to it kind of stuff some people kind of bite off more than they can chew is probably what i'm trying yeah to say. i think i think that's yeah that is that is a big part of it there's a really good book um that i've read or i'm reading again actually called uh, atomic habits oh. uh by a guy called james clear he's really like he's sort of a modern day habit expert um and as he, he like he's really a really good person to follow he's got a great newsletter that you can subscribe to on his website and stuff so i mean take anything that i say as inspiration as opposed to sort of gospel and don't look at me as the, the habit forming guru go to someone like james and, and really get into it if you're interested but um uh, he's called it atomic habits because habit forming isn't about changing 400 behaviors in a week it's yeah. it's about making things really manageable mm -hmm. if you want to if you decide that you want to eat healthier so say you you've decided right my, my diet needs changing i need to eat healthier the habit of eating healthier isn't one habit it's about 400 different behaviors in one you have to learn new recipes you have to write new shopping lists you have to go to different places in the supermarket to get the foods the new foods that you want to eat you have to learn about nutrition you have to learn about all sorts of different things in order to make that happen so the first step isn't yeah exactly then you have, maybe you have to learn to cook depending on what where you are in life um so the first step isn't to say oh you know i want to eat healthier the first step is to say i'm going to introduce more color into my diet Mm. and then all you need to think about when you go shopping is spend a bit more time in the vegetable aisle and pick, aisle and pick up a few more colours and make sure you eat them before you go and do your next shop yeah. that's really manageable that's a manageable step and then once that's become part of the routine you change to oh, I'm going to reduce the number of trans fats in my diet or I'm going to stop eating so much sugar or, and you address it one thing at a time Yeah, um, really and that's like kind of the basis behind the atomic habit yeah, yeah I, I really like your eat the rainbow yeah. I repeat that a lot to a lot because it's actually an easier way rather than the five a day, five a day, five fruit and veg a day, it's just eat the rainbow and that kind of makes yeah. you think, oh, I just need to get some different colours. Yeah. Well, it, it's not, it's not, I didn't, I didn't come up with that saying. It, that, that's been a, a saying that's been around a long time and I think you know, a lot of people get told eat the rainbow and don't really understand. No one ever tells them why. And that's, the, yeah. to me, the barrier to, behavior change is understanding the reason we're doing it it's all very well and good saying to people eat five a day why do we eat five a day why is it five a day who said five a day yeah unless unless you really understand why you're doing it it's very difficult to find the motivation to do it it's just because you've just been told to do it by some you know nutrition body or the government or some pt or whoever it might be and which the reason Sorry, sorry, which probably explains, sorry, I keep interrupting you, which probably explains why only 24% of adults actually do it, eat their required yeah. lunch. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, so, and the reason that we say eat the rainbow is because everyone's probably heard of antioxidants. So antioxidants are essentially, uh, I mean, they're anti-cancer, but essentially what they do in the body is they buffer stress. So anything that sort of creates stress in the body, whether it's uh, a whether it's the diet or you know 
a really hard workout or you know radiation or pollution or whatever it is all these little things they can create stress in the body and they create these things called free radicals which are just basically negatively charged ions and then antioxidants come and combine with them and neutralize them before they can cause damage to cells and create or start a process which can lead to things like cancer and disease and all that stuff so antioxidants as most of us know are very important in the body and the reason we say to eat the rainbow is because antioxidants always also play a role in nature to determine the colors of our food uh, so the more colors we eat the more types of antioxidants and the more types of vitamins we're getting in our diet so a varied diet like eat the rainbow is just a, a really good way of getting a more varied diet and eating all the things that we need to eat basically. yeah and it's, I think we, we all kind of recognize don't we we all recognize we might not understand the science and biology behind it but a, a lot of us recognize as adults that we need to be eating healthily for we all know that don't we we pretty much know exactly. we should be eating health, healthy foods but just there's an awful lot of people just choose not to and yeah. it's a choice and i suppose that's 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 the the groundwork isn't it that's that that's the epicenter of, of habits really is choice yeah I, well that's it I, I i always say to people that i always say that every single one of us if we're being completely honest understands more about health than what we put into practice yeah so why i'm fascinated why is that and i i think it's I think it's an education thing. I think it's because we understand what, to, we know what to do a lot of the time, but we don't know why we do it. And like little snippets like that, that we were talking about eat the rainbow and just understanding a little bit about the underlying mechanism in the body and the reason why yeah. just helps you be a bit more motivated to do it. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to, you know, I see a, a, an aubergine and then I see a, a yellow pepper and I understand that there's different vitamins and minerals in those two things. And it just incentivizes me a bit more to go and pick those two things up rather than you know sticking to the the normal selection of veg that i'm always picking up you know some people just get on autopilot in the supermarket and pick up mushrooms peppers courgettes and that's it and that's all they eat because it's it's a routine and as soon as you understand a little just a little bit more information below the surface i think you can be a bit more motivated to to vary your diet and that, and that applies to lots of lots of other different things and, and like you say once you have that inspiration then you can get to okay, now I can form a habit around this new behavior that I've recognized is important. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can start that process. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's well, I, I find it's, it's getting past that convenience point as well, particularly yeah. when you're time poor, um, which many of us, when the industry is in full flow, which obviously it isn't at the moment, there's a lot of people with time on their hands, there's a lot of people who have less time than they had before. Um, yeah. But when you're time poor, it's so easy, isn't it, to to make those unhealthy choices yeah. and fall out of those good habits. Because even yeah, if you I mean, establish a good habit, you can you can fall out of it, can't you? It can be quite easy to fall back into bad habits. Absolutely. I mean, once you've built momentum and it's become a, an actual habit, it's you know it's much easier to maintain. The problem is that bad habits are easier to form than good habits. Mm. good habits a lot of the time require discipline and they re require yeah. you know the avoidance of pleasure or you know delayed gratification and, and all of these concepts and it, we need to be very disciplined in order to to form habits that are going to be beneficial for our health whereas you know the barrier to entry for gambling and 
you know, dissatisfaction is immediate a lot of the time for forming bad habits, which is, you know, that I mean, that's the key differential actually between forming good habits and forming bad habits. Bad habits tend to be instantly gratifying. We, yeah. we tend to experience pleasure or satisfaction immediately. So we get that feedback loop of, I want to keep doing this. Whereas yeah. good habits tend to, you don't tend to get the benefit until much later down the line. You know, if you form a good habit around health, you don't actually become healthier until you've implemented it for an extended period. Or, you know, if you want to form a, a weight loss habit, you don't actually lose weight until, you know, a few weeks or months down the line. Mm. Um, so the, the, the gratification and the satisfaction is much later and, and it's, it's why it's much harder to form generally. Yeah, and that's it's, that's interesting what you said about that that pleasure association. So I suppose if you thought of it from a food perspective, because I think everyone's aware of things like alcohol and, and drugs and how that can manifest, don't they? But yeah. from a food perspective, it's kind of you know that that pleasure zone that you kind of go into when you choose to eat a pizza. Yeah. For a healthier. Yeah. Science and stuff around that. Yeah. Yeah, I see. It's a, it's a very interesting um, topic that, and so like when, it, when you break down the reasons why we eat, there's two sides to it. One is kind of the hedonistic side, which is like the, the taste, the pleasure, the pleasure side of food, what we taste, what we experience when we taste the food and how it, you know, how it makes us feel in the brain. Um, that's like the hedonistic side. And then the other side is new, the nutritional side, yeah. which is, you know they should kind of be linked intrinsically in nature we experience taste because it's an indication of what's in the food and whether that food is nutritious to us but obviously over time and you know modern day food production and science that goes into food and taste it's it's become a bit confusing for us and our palates because you know everything's hyper palatable these days and you know it confuses us so the way to think about it like there's nothing wrong with the pleasure-driven side of food. It's great. Like, everyone loves it. But the, the question to ask is, are we also getting some nutritional benefit from this meal? So uh, a good way to think about it is Diet Coke versus Coke. So yeah. everyone discusses the, the benefits or the, you know, everyone discusses which one's better for you. I mean, my personal view is if you're going to drink one, you might as well drink the one that has some calorific content because that's actually something the body can use your body does need sugar for energy as long as you drink it at the appropriate time whereas the body doesn't really need anything that's in diet coke it's just chemicals there's no there's no calories in it there's other than satisfying some taste that you feel you need you're not really getting much from diet coke whereas with coke yeah it tastes nice you know we like the taste of sugar and also you're getting some calories from it you're getting some energy that your body can use as long as you're consuming it at the right time so it's important to to sat to separate those two concepts you know that the hedonistic pleasure-driven side of food always consider why you know it's great that i'm experiencing some pleasure from this plate of food that i'm eating but am i also getting some nutritional benefit and you know at the times that you're indulging in like a pleasure-driven meal just make sure that it's got some you know fruit and ve some vegetables involved and some stuff that actually is doing the body some good as well yeah there's there's lots of people isn't there now kind of because my, my mum works for the nhs and nhs i think are starting to change their stance in terms of low-fat foods and semi-skimmed milks and stuff where they're actually 
basically turning around now and saying they, they should actually be avoided a little bit because of that replacement products that are going into it and actually it's much better for your body to absorb the the full fats because it will process it just just limits yeah and so what like the reason these chemicals are in there the ones that allow you to have foods that that don't the diet or calorie free or low calorie there those chemicals are in there to satisfy a taste sensation that we feel we need to satisfy yeah so what over the course of time we've ended up with all these products that are are brought out to try and address you know a, a body body fat epidemic or you know an obesity epidemic that we that we now have but and so we're demonizing fats and carbohydrates and stuff that our body actually needs rather than addressing the appropriate time and quantities to eat those substrates in we're creating things that satisfy a taste which is the driving force behind us wanting to eat yeah dodgy like bad foods in the first place yeah. so it's like a, it's almost like a negative self-fulfilling prophecy it's, it's a circle of death almost you know and we you know we, we can break it like this is this is the whole point of this conversation about habits it's, it's very breakable um we just have to understand the right things to do and how to go about implementing them into our lives you know? yeah absolutely absolutely i read um the harvard business review on um, strengthening mindsets and, and resilience um, and building resilience. And they had a really, putting this on a different angle of habit forming, they had a really interesting article in there. Um, and I, I found this fascinating from a sports perspective, but also from a stress management perspective. So obviously we all watch Wimbledon, we all watch the tennis. If you watch a tennis player when they have that break and they sit there plucking the strings, apparently it's a habit that a lot of them have formed to bring their blood pressure and their heart rate and everything down to completely show and so it, it enables them particularly in places if you're at Wimbledon a lot of people can be quite noisy particularly in the breaks it's a way of them using a habit and forming a habit where they can zone out almost like on a mindfulness basis and just zone out from the noise get themselves, readdress themselves, get themselves in a mindset, completely bring their heart rate down because they've done tests on tennis players to watch them do, just plucking the strings in their racket. Just yeah. bring everything down to a normal level for them to get into a mindset and get into the zone to go back in. And yeah. I suppose there's a lot to say about habit forming that you can use as a stress management perspective. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well... I mean, if you're forming the right habits, you're, it, it, it makes everything else easier. Like if, if, you're in a, if you're in a place where your daily routine is almost on a subconscious loop, the things that you need to do to stay happy and healthy uh, and in a, in a good place mentally are already inbuilt habitual things that you do as part of your routine. And you don't have to spend a lot of mental power thinking about doing them. You know, they're not new. They're, they're, they're subconscious things that we're just doing now. So you don't need to spend a load of mental energy on it. So you, it, it's not stressful. You can, you can spend that mental capacity on other things, new projects, you know, performing at work, you know, art, whatever it is you want to use your creative brain on. That's, that's what you've now got time to go and do that if you've created the right daily habits to support your you know, physical, mental well-being. 
it's almost like creating a toolkit of habits isn't it which you can use for different scenarios yeah different different things that you perceive so it's like having aware of your stresses isn't it so working out okay so when this happens that that winds me up or it annoys me or it gets me all worked up so actually have a toolkit stuff so i can say next time that happens i'm going to do this to kind yeah. of center myself and just calm myself down about whether it's a breathing exercise or going out for a walk or yeah. going out for a 15 minute run or whatever or just sitting quietly listening to some music whatever that might be it's, it's, it's establishing a toolkit of habits isn't it definitely like you made a good point there about uh when this happens do this um and that's a that's a real like point that that james clear makes in his in his book about habit stacking but one of the things that we can use one of the tools we can use to create a new habit if we've identified something uh, that we want to implement is stack it on top of a habit that we've already got so if you so say your new habit is to drink a pint of lemon water in the morning when you get out of bed think of something that you do every morning at that time with the same frequency and stack it on top of that so all you need to remember is okay so say the habit that you're already in is brushing your teeth before yeah. i brush my teeth every day i drink lemon water so those two things are now linked yeah and so the, you, you you do them as a pair so it's a cue to remind you to do the new habit that you want to create um because it, it just makes it easier it just removes an extra barrier and it and then that allows you like it's a cue for you to remember to implement that behavior every day so it's one of the things you you can think about doing um like for example i i decided i wanted to read before bed a bit more and it seems like, like i've got a, a stand of books next to my bed but it's an extra habit it's an extra hassle for me to go over choose one take it out and then read it so now i've decided that i'll I've chosen the book already in the morning and I've just left it on my pillow. So that, so it's just an extra, it's just a removal of an extra barrier. So that, you know, I literally have to physically move the book out of the way if I'm not, if I'm deciding not to read it, whereas it's, you know, I have to pick it up to decide not to read it. So um, just little things like that, you know, removing barriers to entry a lot of the time is quite effective. Yeah. It's just making it easy for yourself as well, isn't it? You know, yeah. Establishing, we've touched on this, haven't we? Establishing a habit takes... You know, it takes time. It's different for different people. Some people it will take longer than others, and it's you have to be pretty disciplined to because you're changing a behaviour in a way, yeah. incorporating yeah. a new behaviour. Um, so it, it's you know you've got to give yourself give and people have got to give themselves got to give yourself credit and yeah. give time and be a little bit kind on yourself as well. Don't make it too hard for yourself. That you're going to start beating yourself up if you don't. Well, people, you know. The, the, habit experts a lot of them say that you don't really you don't ever really create new, new habits you just replace old ones and like this goes back to your point about being time poor yeah no one's time poor really because we've all got 24 hours in a day we're just we just have different priorities yeah we have different things that we hold as important and you know and different responsibilities and everyone's got their their own stuff going on yeah. but we can choose to change our priorities if we want to. You know, everyone's got the same 24 hours in a day. Yeah, um, I call it self-management. I'll say there's no such thing as time management. You can't manage time. You can only manage yourself. So yeah. It's, it's yeah. Bad, isn't it? Yeah. And there's always a thing, you know, it's like, I can't do, I want to do this, but I can't because I'm doing that. 
It's like, okay, well, which one's more important to you? Yeah. That's you're good. always doing, there's always going to be stuff that you don't need to have in your day that you're spending time on. And if there isn't, if you've decided that every single thing that you do on a day-to-day basis is important to you, well, then that's fine. You should be happy then. Yeah. And if you're not, if you're not happy, then that means something needs to change. Yes. And they're, you know, and they're the decisions that we have to make as individuals. Yeah. Happiness is a choice, isn't it? I have, I have a little motivation science on my desk. Kind of say, happiness is not a destination, it's a way of life. Yeah. You hear constantly these people, oh, do you know what? I'll be happy when I've done this, or I'll be happy when I've achieved this, or when I've, I've got this title or that title, that, that'll be happy. It's like, be happy yeah. now. Why? <laughs> be happy now, right. guys. <laughs> it's easier said than done isn't it you know it's a it's a it's an interesting concept happiness like i think we we often place we often confuse success and happiness i think i think society puts success on a pedestal and we all feel and we we associate like cars and money and big houses and uh career like you know hierarchy in our jobs and all of that stuff is associated with our our perception of how successful we are and a lot of the time we think that that's the meaning of life and that's that's what we get wrapped up in but really that's just a a mean it should be a means to an end if that none of that stuff makes you happy then why are you doing it um and like you say like (laughs) you're never gonna happiness has to be the journey because you're never gonna if 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 all the stuff you're doing on a day-to-day basis doesn't ultimately lead to happiness and you're not practicing being happy as you go along, you're not going to just miraculously know how to be happy when you get to the end. Yeah. That's why there's so many successful businessmen that aren't happy. happy. Yeah. They don't know what to do with all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's an interesting one. I, I, th- <laughs> I always, I, I went to um, Vegas a few years ago and uh, I don't know if you've ever driven to Vegas. I drove there from San Diego. There's a, I think it's Route 66. I think where that road is is famous. And, yeah. uh, basically, it's just a real long road with like four lanes of cars, uh, and then all around you is like desert. And then obviously at the end of it, you've got Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 when I was driving it, I, I thought about the combination of success and happiness. And I was thinking, as a society, we, we like success our version of success is almost like vegas so like we're trying to get to vegas that's where we want to be because that's got all the things all the stuff we all the play things that we can enjoy and and, you know all the pleasure centers that we can satisfy are all in vegas but we need to get all this money and stuff so that we can go and enjoy it and everyone's on this mad road to success with like four lanes of cars just flying and everyone's overtaking everyone and no one's paying attention everyone's just trying to get there and in everywhere around you on this road, honestly, it's the most beautiful scenery you'll ever see. It's just like vast and expansive and like beautiful sky and like nice rocks. And it's just really nice. And we just don't, have, and I, I see that as happiness. I'm like, yeah. we just, it's fine to be on the road to success, but enjoy the view while you're doing it. Yeah. Um, We're too busy yeah. trying to get to where we think we need to be. And yeah. we're missing out life. We're missing on life, basically. We're, we're running yeah. at head speed to some destination that we think is going to make us happy. When really happy, happiness is happening now, guys. Why don't you yeah. just look out the window and pay attention to the view a little bit? Yeah. 
I think that's the big thing. I think for me, the big thing is is that's what a lot of us are being taught right now. That's the big yeah. of what's happening right now. But exactly what you said, you know, the doesn't matter what house you have or what car is on your driveway that you can't drive at the moment. I can't go anywhere in it, can't do anything. The expensive clothes, doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Clothes in your wardrobe, you're not going anywhere at the moment. The the important stuff is you know the, pe- the people you love and care about that you can't see yeah just re- re-establish- i suppose it's a, a, a re-establishing human nature perspective of yeah i mean you can get i think there's a lot to be gained from like particularly in times like this thinking about what what as hum as a human like just think about where we came from as humans right what what did we need? What what do we need to satisfy our daily, you know, survival requirements? What is it that humans actually need? Yeah. And when you strip it back, it's you know, food, water, relationships, connection, yeah. maybe love, like all the shelter, like all those basic necessities. Well, it is love. When you strip Loving it back yourself. to that, those things aren't yeah. that hard to get. They're around. You know, we've always got access to them. We can always you know, reach out to and grab those things. Where and you know, a lot of the things that we we often stress about in normal life, they're not that important. They're not, you know, as long as we've got, you know, the basic things taken care of. Yeah. You know, we can always enjoy the view. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a really nice. That's I like that. We can always enjoy the view. That's a nice. It's a nice point to end on because we've come to the end. Cool. It's great chatting. Good chat. First time we've done this. Yeah, I know. Let's not make it the last. Yeah, we won't, definitely. Nope. <laughs> <laughs>